Hello, friends in Christ. This is Pastor Alan Rose now. As you probably are aware, during the month of November here at Shepherd of the Desert, we've been focusing on Thanksgiving, gratitude. And we've certainly made the point that gratitude is something that can be taught. But even more effective is when gratitude is caught, caught from someone else's good example. In our Bible text today, which is St. Paul's letter to Philemon, we see Paul modeling gratitude in hopes that his example of gratitude will be caught by his reader, namely the man Philemon. And my hope and prayer for this sermon today is that the attitude of gratitude will be caught by all of us as well as we read this letter today. First, a little bit of background on this letter. St. Paul at this time was under house arrest in Rome. He was awaiting a trial uh, under uh, Emperor Nero. He actually was under house arrest for two years, which is where we see him when we come to the end of the book of Acts. Well, there's a, a man by the name of Philemon who Paul knows very well. Philemon was a man who is a Christian who lived in the town of Colossae, which is a, a small town in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey today. This man, Philemon, had a servant named Onesimus, who was not a believer in Christ. Well, as the story goes on, Onesimus steals some of Philemon's possessions and then runs away, which, of course, did not set very well with Philemon. In fact, under Roman law, such actions by a servant were punishable by death. Well, time goes on and Onesimus ends up in Rome. And one thing leads to another and Onesimus meets Paul there in Rome. Paul then has a conversation with him and in the course of that conversation, he shares the gospel message of forgiveness in Christ Jesus with Onesimus and Onesimus comes to faith in Jesus as his Savior. So now Paul decides to write a letter to Philemon, to appeal to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus, to receive this man back, to receive him not as a servant anymore, but as a brother in Christ. The letter uh, to Philemon is actually one of four what are called captivity letters, letters that Paul wrote during this time when he was under house arrest. Along with the letter to Philemon, he wrote uh, the letters to the Ephesians, the Philippians, and the Colossians all around the year 60 AD. So friends, I wanna invite you to put yourself in Paul's sandals for just a moment. Pretend that you're quite sure that Philemon is angry at Onesimus. But in your one-on-one -on -one conversations with Onesimus, you know that he is repentant and that he now believes in Jesus as his forgiving Savior. But you also realize that all Philemon has to do is let the Roman authorities know and Onesimus would be arrested, tried, and executed. But your desire is for Philemon to forgive Onesimus and to receive him back as a brother in Christ. Okay, 
how would you compose such a letter? How would you make it winsome and persuasive? Let me ask you, have you ever tried to reason with someone who is angry? How would you appeal to someone who is absolutely within their rights to demand justice? How would you attempt to persuade that person to forego justice and extend grace instead? What would you say? How would you write it? You know, as we read Paul's letter of appeal to Philemon, take note of the role that thankfulness plays in the attempt to soften Philemon's heart toward his runaway servant, Onesimus. Let me start off with reading this letter with the first three verses, which are the salutation to the letter, uh, the, uh, the introduction to the entire thing. Verses 1 to 3 read this way. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In that opening salutation of Paul's letter, it's interesting that the pronouns you and your are all plural in these first three verses. He's writing to not only Philemon, but a group of people that he mentions. But starting with verse 4 and the whole section that follows, the pronouns are all singular, indicating that Paul is now addressing one person, namely Philemon. Let me ask you, how would you begin this portion of the letter if you were writing it to someone who you knew was very angry? Well, Paul organizes his thoughts in a way that was actually prescribed by ancient Greek and Roman teachers. Three parts to his organization. One, build rapport with the person. Two, persuade the mind. And three, move the emotions. Build rapport, persuade the mind, move the emotions. So first, Paul seeks to build some rapport with Philemon. This is what he says in verses 4 through 10. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Did you notice how Paul began that section of his letter? With thankfulness. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. It's part of the way that Paul builds rapport with Philemon. And Paul goes on to express gratitude for Philemon's faith and love, which have been so evident in days past. What is Paul's intention in all of this? 
It's that the spirit of thankfulness will be caught by his brother in Christ, Philemon. He really hopes that Philemon will see the many things for which to be thankful, especially that Onesimus is now a believer in Christ. What could be better than that? Of course, Paul could, as he says, order Philemon to receive Onesimus, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he appeals on the basis of love and God's grace. Are you dealing with someone who is angry these days? How might you, first of all, build rapport with that person on the foundation of thankfulness with a view toward God's love and grace in Christ Jesus? Well, after attempting to build rapport with Philemon, Paul then goes on to try and persuade the mind in verses 11 through 19. And Paul begins this particular section of his letter with with a little bit of humor. And referring to Onesimus, Paul says in verse 11, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. We don't catch it in English, but in the original Greek, we see the humor. For you see, there's a play on words going on here. For the name Onesimus in Greek means useful. And so Paul says to Philemon, he was formerly useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. As much as saying, let him live out the full meaning of his name, useful. Paul continues then with this section of his letter, attempting to go on and persuade the mind even further. Verses 12 through 19, Paul writes, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Here in this section, Paul shows that he really values Onesimus and that he would have liked to keep Onesimus with him in Rome as he proved helpful for the sake of the gospel. But Paul defers to Philemon's authority in the matter as he says, I do not want to do anything without your consent, Philemon. Paul then gives Philemon the opportunity to show some unforced grace to voluntarily do the right thing. In verses 15 and 16, Paul suggests that perhaps a higher purpose was even at work in all of this, that Onesimus is now a brother in Christ. Maybe in the big picture, God directed all of this for that purpose. 
In verse 17, Paul appeals to this partnership between himself and Philemon. As he says, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And then Paul makes one of the most profound statements of all in verses 18 and 19. He says, If he, that is Onesimus, has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Isn't that amazing? Paul's basically saying, saying, I will cover his debts. I will pay all of his penalties that he owes you. Wow. Who does that remind you of? I believe that Paul was hoping that it would remind Philemon of Jesus. He hoped that Philemon would recognize the great extent to which Jesus went to pay off not only Philemon's debts and sins, but the sins of the whole world. It really is an example of vicarious atonement, how Jesus, the perfect sinless Son of God, went to the cross for you and me and all people like Philemon and like us to pay for all of our sins and to set us free. He went to the cross for all the Onesimuses of the world, Onesimuses like me. And he paid the full penalty that we couldn't pay ourselves so that we might be forgiven and have the assurance of eternal life. What greater thing could there be than that for which to be truly thankful? Paul wanted Philemon to experience that sense of forgiveness himself so that then he could turn around and extend grace to Onesimus. Now, Paul's final appeal to the mind in this section is where he says not to mention Oh, yeah, not to mention, and as he mentions it, not to mention, Philemon, that you owe me your very self. An indication that probably Paul had brought Philemon to faith as well. So Paul has been trying to build rapport with Philemon, trying to persuade the mind, and now he seeks to move the emotions in verses 20 and 21. St. Paul writes, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Refresh my heart in Christ, Paul says. He's appealing to the heart. He's appealing to the emotions. He wants Philemon to feel deeply the power of God's forgiveness and grace so that he will be moved to receive Onesimus back to himself. And then Paul expresses heartfelt confidence that he will do this. In fact, that he'll do even more than Paul asks. Now we come to the concluding section of the letter where Paul gives his final greeting. In verses 22 to 25, St. Paul writes, And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
I have to chuckle a little bit in that last section of the letter where Paul says, get a room ready for me. I'm coming to visit you. Maybe it's kind of a way of his holding Philemon a little bit accountable for what he's going to do. But as we reflect on this letter, here are some key takeaways for us to apply to our own Christian living. The first is this. The grace and forgiveness of God are what move us to thankfulness. And the more we reflect on that truth, the more gratitude will flow out of our hearts and lives. Secondly, thankfulness can be caught. And so we need to model thankfulness for others around us. And then thirdly, when it comes to relationships that are perhaps strained at times, it's our common faith and hope in Jesus that breaks down barriers, that binds us together, and that results in even more thanksgiving for what God is able to do. Well, you know, we don't know what happened after Philemon received Paul's letter. We're not told how the story ends, but maybe that's okay. In fact, perhaps it's even intentional. For much more important is how you and I will write the endings to our relationship stories. You know, maybe there's someone in your life who is angry. Maybe that person is you. Throughout the month of November, we've talked a lot about Thanksgiving. But here's where the rubber hits the road. Gratitude and generosity ultimately come down to a single moment in time when an individual makes a clear choice to say thanks and to give grace. So no matter what has transpired in the past, no matter how angry you might be right now. Let me ask you, will you do these two things? Will you say thanks to God? And will you extend grace to others? God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.